as Sarah said, we are talking about the secret place, which is that it can be a physical place, but it's really the place in our heart um, and in our uh, life where we slip away from our work and our family and our friends and our distractions to go and be alone with God and to shut the door because we're following the example of Jesus who was um, constantly annoying people by not being there when they expected him to be because he was slipping out to a, a lonely place um, half the night or whenever just to be with his father. And that place um, was the foundation of that intimate walk that he had um, with the father that we hear about in the Gospels. So we're going to be talking about making space for that and, and what we actually do in that place to build intimacy um, with the father or intimacy with God. I mean, intimacy really takes um, it takes time to develop and build. No one just has an instantly intimate relationship because intimacy is about having that sense of closeness with someone and a sense of trust and the feeling that you actually know that person really deeply and you are known by them. So um, there is this, this kind of this unavoidable truth in the kingdom and in the natural world that um, if there is no intimacy, there's no fruit. And it's just undeniably true. So over the years, I've I've looked at people's fruit and if I think that it's looked appealing or attractive, I have spent time like trying to work out what's their secret to their intimate relationship with God and how can I copy that? So um, to give you an example, I, I remember listening to this interview with Heidi Baker, who's a um, missionary in Mozambique and I've always really um, admired her and really liked what she's all about. And so I heard that she would get up at some horrific hour in the night and, and she'd just spend hours on the father's lap, you know, just spending time in God's presence. And I thought, okay, that's what I need to do. I'm going to gonna get up really, really early and I'm just going to pray and just be with the Lord. Um, and it was, it was um, a pretty patchy experience of me getting more and more tired and um, more and more kind of frustrated with, with, with prayer. It just felt a bit all over the place and lots of drifting. And so I tried that. And then uh, another time I was listening to one of the pioneers of the vineyard movement talk about how what really um, fired up his relationship with God was he would, he'd get up early. Everyone seems to get up early. He'd get up early. He'd have his coffee. He'd put on the worship music and he would just have his you know, hour of coffee and presence and worship and just, he was describing this closeness and I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm just going to get up early. I've got a lot of worship playlists. I'm going to do my thing. And, um, you know, again, it, 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 it wasn't, it, it wasn't bad, but, you know, I just got sick of my worship playlists and I, I, it wasn't a sustainable thing for me. And of course, that's only a glimpse of their life with God, right? You know, there's all sorts of other things going on and you can't clone someone else's relationship with God. God actually wants to have and build a unique relationship with each of us and we have to be willing to do our part in all of that. So I, as I said, I've got this, um, I've got this history of looking at other people because I, I do crave 
that intimacy with God and I want to bear fruit in my life like I'm like I'm sure you will do. So I've also um, kind of done a patchworking of prayer, time in the Bible, um, worship, and, and, and had this kind of ongoing wrestle in terms of, you know, if I can only do one thing in the day, what should it be? How should I start? You know, all of these questions around what we actually do when we're um, with, with the Lord. Um, and I, I have, I think I've probably tried it all, but uh, one thing that I've been discovering more and more of late uh, and what I think now is actually probably the foundation of the secret place um, is God's word. And when I say God's word, I mean, um, I actually kind of mean two things because in the New Testament, there are two Greek words that are used for God's word. And one is logos, which is the written word, which is the, it's our constant that we have, we can always come to. But then there's also this, this word called the rhema word or rhema word, which is like God's um, spoken word to us in a particular moment or conversation. It's like his living word that's just spoken to us in the moment and we know that it's from him. So both of those things, um, I think, play out. And I'm, uh, I, I'm going to talk about some of the practicalities, but I, I wanted to, I've had this phrase that Jesus um, is actually quoting from Deuteronomy when he's in the desert and he's being tempted. And I've kind of been thinking and thinking about it. Um, he says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I think we, I know that, like I, I must have read that a hundred times, but um, it's such a profound statement. And then in John 6, 63, Jesus says, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. And when he's talking about the words he's spoken there, that word is, is rhema. And I was thinking that if that is life and word, like our, our food is what sustains us and builds us and gives us strength. So clearly we really need to be eating well. I, I, I kind of suspect, and this is certainly true of me, that we actually probably have a pandemic of, of malnourished Christians who are really good at, at grabbing a snack um, or a power bar or a whatever um, to kind of keep them going, but aren't actually really nourishing themselves with good, wholesome word, the kind of thing that's actually going to give you life and sustain, um, you know, a really healthy, alive relationship with God and a walk, and a walk with God. Um, so I'm going to outline kind of an approach or a way to, to go to the word um, that I have um, taken pretty much wholesale from John Tyson. So I give him the credit for that. Um, I, I have found that it's been really helpful and I'm going to uh, map it out. But before I do that, I want to read to you from James. And I think you get to read along. And I'm going to read it from two um, lesser well-known translations just because it, I, I really feel like there's a lot of value in hearing something fresh sometimes. 
So from the message, uh, James 1, 20 to 25. In simple humility, let our gardener God landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it, is no distracted scatterbrain but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. And in the J.B. Phillips, it says, humbly accept the message that God has sown in your hearts and which can save your souls. Don't, I beg you, only hear the message, but put it into practice. Otherwise, you're merely deluding yourselves. The man who simply hears and does nothing about it is like a man catching the reflection of his own face in a mirror. He sees himself, it is true, but he goes on with whatever he was doing without the slightest recollection of what sort of person he saw in the mirror. But the man who looks into the perfect mirror of God's law, the law of liberty or freedom, and makes a habit of so doing is not the man who sees and forgets. He puts that law into practice and he wins true happiness. So it, it seems to me that James is kind of outlining two approaches to the word. And one is the, um, you know, I really know that I need to spend time in the word. Um, I know that I'm going to feel better when I do it. But it's really more of a, a go and have a look and kind of grab something and then tick the box or kind of keep up your end of the deal. Or there is this, um, there is this other way where you actually expect and welcome not only the logos, the written word that you are kind of absorbing, but you're also expecting this rhema word or this spoken word of God to really speak to you um, in the in the in the middle of your time and actually say something that's going to land on your heart. And not only land on your heart, but also provoke you um, to do something with it. So there's all these little processes of uh, like adjustments and alignments every time you go to the word and you engage with God in that process. Um, and that requires some vulnerability and, and some time. And we know that vulnerability and time are both really key ingredients to, to intimacy. You, you can't be landscaped by the word if you're only snacking every now and then on it. So in terms of the actual process, a lot of people find it useful to have a place where they go to be with God, whether it's a space where you can shut the door and it's quiet or just a particular chair or somewhere that you feel like it has a history of you meeting God in that place. Jesus had to usually um, exit the house and go off to a mountain or just somewhere that was kind of desolate, but we have a few more luxuries and that we have bigger homes and, and usually some more options in terms of space. But the way that we're going to map out this, this, this flow of time with God um, is by using the acronym TIME. Um, we could probably, I could probably summarise this and put it in the MailChimp for next week. Maybe we should have done a slide, but I didn't think of that. So um, 
with time, the first letter is T, and the T stands for truth. And truth um, is, it's, it's describing that moment when you're reading through the passage and you're kind of letting it sink in and then something, a turn of phrase or a concept, uh, it, you know, people describe it like it jumps out of the page at you. It's something that really grabs your attention. Um, and that's the Holy Spirit just starting to highlight something to you. And you might find that you're turning it around in your mind and you're starting to see a picture emerge. And as that happens, I mean, I, I recommend um, that you actually read the passage that you're going you're gonna to do for the day in two translations and you spend a bit of time just digging around. If you're looking at a word and you're like, ah, oh, that reminds me of the word that was in that other verse from that other bit, and then you maybe go and have a look at that and see um, how the two things complement each other or build up your understanding. Or you want to go to the concordance and um, look up what the Greek word means. Like it's, it's, it's a really good thing to spend a little bit of time digging around and letting the Holy Spirit start to, start to um, bring up a picture for you to look at or something to um, dig around and explore, right? The Bible's there to be explored. It's full of mysteries and things that um, are hidden so that they can be unveiled to us and we can enjoy the process of discovery. So that is the, um, that's the truth. But we, what we want that truth to do is then rearrange us internally and then also start to rearrange our day and our life, so our external life as well. So the next thing that we want to do is go to I, which is insight. So at this point, we're actually um, asking the Holy Spirit to start giving us some personal insights into the truth that we are exploring. Um, so it might be that that truth actually challenges a mindset that you've had or a belief, or it might be actually speaking to a situation that you have at work right now or... Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's that moment when you realize that it's actually there's actually a personal challenge for you or a personal encouragement or something that's actually speaking to you right now in your life. And that's the rhema beginning to be um, spoken to us, the Holy Spirit actually speaking something right to our hearts. Um, so, yeah, as I said, you might feel convicted, you might feel encouraged, um, but that's where God starts to really reveal himself to us. To us and also reveals us to us. Like that's when we start to really see the mirror of the word and we're able to see our own hearts um, in a new way. So, so that's great and that's worth time too. So you don't want to rush away from that, but you also don't want to just stay there because eventually we want to move to M, which is for mission. And this is like mission really in the broader sense of the word. So what we're talking about is we've had some kind of fresh revelation, something fresh from God that now we want to be expressed in our lives so that it can actually have an impact on the people around us. So it's taking what's internal and making it external because, you know, usually when you get a revelation from God, it's not just for you. It's for um, it's for the benefit of the people around you. You, just, you know, you, we know that. God puts something in our hands and then we give it away, we get more, we give it away. That's how it works. Um, and this is our opportunity for obedience, by the way. 
But I, I feel like this is the bit in James. This is the person who catches a glimpse um, of the revealed counsel of God, as it says in that scripture, and sticks with it, finding affirmation and delight in the action. So now we have a chance to actually um, put something into practice. So I, I thought before we go on to E that I would give a few examples of some things that um, uh, I've experienced in the last couple of weeks trying to follow this process. Um, I show a few examples, but that might be a little bit too much. Um, but to give, to give, a, I want to give a big one and a small one. So I've been in the letters of John, 1, 2, and 3 John, and in 1 John three seventeen, it says, how does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods or, the, or means, I think it said, and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Because John is always talking about how love has to actually look like something. And um, at the point that I, the day that I read that, um, we just, um, Dave and I had just been having a conversation um, about someone in our family who um, actually, we had the means to help and needed the help um, financially. And we were talking about how to do that and how to um, be generous. And like I said a number and then Dave, Dave said a number and his number was substantially bigger than my number. And, um, <laughs> and then I read this and I went, oh, okay, probably the bigger number. Um, and I just, yeah, I just felt really convicted that love had to actually look, look like something and why, like I've got the means, we've got the means, so for goodness sake. So um, that, you know, that I guess was my opportunity to actually, you know, that's what worship is really, isn't it? It's being obedient and actually um, um, doing the thing you were told to do. So that, that was a, maybe a little bit of a bigger one. But then, um, you know, recently I, I was in 3 John and I was kind of reading about a chapter. And then the one thing that really I felt like, you know, how you have that feeling like you've never read this before. Of course you have, but now is the moment when you really need it. Um, John says, you're doing a fine, faithful piece of work, my dear friend, in looking after the brothers who come your way, especially when you've never seen them before. They've testified to your love before the church. It's a fine thing to help them on their way. It shows you realize the importance of what they're doing. And that was the sentence. That was really the only sentence that I, I focused on. It's a fine thing to help them on their way. It shows you realize the importance of what they're doing. And at the time I was feeling, um, a bit frustrated and discouraged in terms of intercession generally and, and kind of wrestling with um, uh, what to do in a particular situation. And uh, I, I really felt like the Holy Spirit was saying it's actually a good thing to help a brother or sister on their way. And John's actually talking financially, but in this moment I felt like God was saying, actually, that's what your intercession is doing. You're actually praying because that's helping that brother on their way and, and, and it's important because when you intercede, it shows that you get that what they're doing is important and it's all part of the way that we love one another. So I felt, um, I felt convicted, I felt encouraged, and from that I thought, okay, I need to stop um, being kind of double-minded about this and just get on with it, which means actually not letting other things impinge on that time when I pray for them or um, it, mean, it, it meant an adjustment in my, in my mindset and also an adjustment in my day. But I also felt that spurring on by the Lord, like, come on, this is a really good thing. You're doing a good thing. It's important what they're doing. 
get on with it. So that was, that was good. Um, so we've done T I M. We have an E at the end of time and that E stands for encounter. So what that means is that you take all this stuff that you've been working through with the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is not necessarily completely sequential, by the way. It's just kind of all in together in some ways. But that encounter means that you take um, the insights and your hunger and whatever into your time with God. So it's like um, it becomes a fuel and the focus of your prayer. Um, It's that opportunity to cry out to God for grace to be able to do um, the thing that he pointed out to you to do. Um, It's the time when you ask God to soften your heart and to to deal with you and to help you and to minister to you and um, that time when we actually bring our worship to God and say, yeah, actually you're God and and, um, this is me responding in prayer. Uh, which can be really helpful because prayer can be a, it can be a kind of vague and woolly thing sometimes. And it just stops you getting into that thing of it's my prayer time and I'm just going to bring my list of um, stuff that I want to talk about. Here's my agenda and all the stuff that I need. And it makes for a much richer um, dialogue and conversation with God. Um, so I, I would say that that really, that's a meal with God and it means that you're actually sitting down with the word of God but you're doing it with the God of the word and I was thinking when you go to a friend's house and have a meal it's not like you just eat but there's no conversation or you just talk and there's no meal like it's both and um so many references to God's table in the Bible and about how he is a, a generous host and Everything he does is is kind of lavish and loving, and it's not miserly or cheap. So I think we just you just know that it's going to be it's going to satisfy you. Um, but it probably will take more time than is convenient, or more time than you necessarily want to give it. Um, so I thought, okay, John, what, what what's John Tyson going to say here? He said, look. If I had to, if I was pushed, I'd say it probably takes an hour. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. And then he pointed out that we find lots of hours, you know, in our lives for a Netflix series or a this or a that, right? Like we can make it happen if we want to. So there's certainly some challenge in that. Um, But I think if we have the expectation this, that this is going to be a deeply satisfying experience um, and that it's actually going to, to fuel us in a way that nothing else can, then it seems like a pretty good investment. And, and Jesus, um, Jesus paid the cost for us to have this. Like there's nothing in the way now. So... Um, There's a, there's a marvellous invitation. I think the other thing that I have learnt is that um, like we live in a, a culture where there's so much teaching and there's so many books and podcasts, there's so much potential food um, that actually 
I have done this, that we, we, we almost binge without actually digesting what we're taking in. So we could end up listening to, you know, hours of amazing teaching or, this, or read a great book. And those things are good, but I don't think they take the place of this because this is the thing that actually transforms our inner world and then transforms, uh, has potential to transform the people of the lives, the people around us as well. Um, and it's, it's, it's our inheritance as God's kids. God is really, um, he really longs for us to come and sit down at the table and talk. And uh, I think that that's, that's the thing that's going to bear really rich fruit in terms of our relationship with God um, and also our walk. So um, this week I'd encourage you to, to try it. To give it a go. I know we've probably all got our normal ways that we that we meet with God um, or the thing that we do in our devotional time or whatever, but yeah, I, I encourage you to mix it up and, and to try um, enjoying a good meal with the Lord and, and, um, and seeing what happens.